ask, Lord, that we take your word as truth and that the truth of your word fill us and make us who you say we are. That we quit believing how the world has defined us, but we believe how you've defined us. Father, you said in your word that it's impossible for you to lie. So as we read your word today, let the truth of how you say we are and who you say we are saturate our very being through the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing it to life within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, get your Bibles out. Um, we're going to go into two scriptures. One, we're going to spend probably the most of the time in Ephesians. And the reason why I picked Ephesians is <clears throat> Pastor Brenda did preach on uh, Ephesians and go through Ephesians sit, walk, stand several times in groups and different things. And we did it in one of our life groups. So um, I'm going to ask, because I preached this morning, if I can get a glass of water. Someone get me a glass, a small glass of water. Who's getting up? Uh, uh, Tony! Let Tony get it. Thank you, Amy. Amy, there was a few people getting Thank you. Um, I just don't want to start going talking like that. <laughs> um, and so we're going to go through Ephesians. But before we go through Ephesians, if you all turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read some scriptures out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In the first service, we had um, several of the young people sitting across the front. And once I put these reading glasses on, I really can't see, because they're reading glasses, so I can't see you well back there. And I was misnaming the kids and everything. It was wild. Because I couldn't see them. So if, Colleen, I know that's you, but I, if I call you something else, you know, somebody. Anyway, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. And thank you, Tony, for this water. I sure appreciate it. Oh, it's lemonade. It's yellow. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessings. More. More. Oh, hallelujah. I know that. Thank you. Okay, where are we at? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. Before we do, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17 or 18, we'll go through those verses. I just want to share something with you. Um, Back in the book of Genesis, we saw that um, God came and made some promises to Abraham. Before he was called Abraham, by the way, his name was Abram. And so God come to Abram and tells him that he's going to be the father of great multitudes of many nations. And, you know, Sarah's wife kind of laughs and chuckles. And Abram's like, really, you know, I'm, I'm, come on, I'm already in my close to 90. And he didn't have... His first child till he was almost 100 years old. Now think about that. Deb and I, I'm 65. I can't tell you her age. She's a little older than I am, but I can't. Same age, though. <laughs> Same year. <laughs> so I can just imagine, you know, at this age, having a child. So Abram, <laughs> so Abram was told this by God. So God... But he did, when he told him this, he changed his name and changed what he heard his name to be called, which Abram became Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. So every time he heard his name, what he was hearing was the father of multitudes. Thirteen years passed by before, by the way, before he had his first child. But every time he heard his name, 
He heard the father of multitudes. I want to show you in the scripture that every time you hear your name and what God calls you and who you are, that you can rely on it. And even though you might be going through some junk, that you can rely on who God says you are. And so I want to share those things. Let's go into, you're holding your finger in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start with verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. So if Jesus Christ came and gave his life for you, what he's saying is then your old life is now dead. Let's go on to verse 15. And if he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we no longer live for ourselves anymore, but we live for him who rose from the dead. Hallelujah. That's Jesus Christ. And I like this verse 16 because it shows us that we're not who the world defines us to be. But it says in verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. So if I'm looking at my friend here, Dennis, I don't see him according to the flesh anymore. That's what that's saying. He's not defined by the recent accident that he had on his back and, and on his leg. He's not defined by that. He's, I don't see him according to the flesh. I can't anymore because he's been transformed into something different by God. So when I look at him, I am supposed to look at him as the God in him. So when I look at Linda, I don't, I'm not supposed to look at the flesh side of Linda. I'm supposed to see what God says about Linda. That's what that verse is saying. We don't see, or we're not supposed to see people according to the flesh. It really makes it a lot easier for us to quit looking at people according to their problems and their issues and their flesh, but to see them how they are in, in God and how God defines them. And then in verse um, 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that word new there means that totally transformed into something else. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and accepted the blood and his broken body, you were transformed into something completely other than your flesh. And he names and calls us things all through the scripture that line up with who he says we are. So I'm, like I said, we're going to go through one book. We're going to now turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm just going to spend some time in Ephesians going through verses. And as we go through these scripture verses, I want you to take part with me. And I'm going to ask you to proclaim what the verse says over you. This is God's love letter to us, this Bible. It's called the Word of God. The scripture says it's impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. So everything, every promise in this word is true. Everything that he calls you in this Bible is 100% totally true. You're not defined by what the world says you are. We are defined by who God says we are. And when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we've been totally transformed. This has got to get in here instead of the flesh getting in there. And I think that, and I think I've shared it with you before, but I'll share it with you again. 95% of Christian counseling that pastors do is to try to share and teach people what God says about them and who they really are in God's eyes. 
If we can get people to believe what God says about them, more than 95% of your problems will be gone. Most of us don't, do not define ourselves by what God says, but we define ourselves according to the flesh. Again, I can't see my brother according to the flesh. I must see him, who he is, and who he's been created in Christ. That's how my eyes should see. But often we look in fleshly eyes instead of walking by faith and not by sight. Amen? So let's go. We're going to go through Ephesians. Um, we got longer in the second service, right, Pastor Brenda? And I can see y'all now with my, with my reading glasses up, so you can turn that clock off. We'll be here till about 4 o'clock. Because it's going to take some time. There's a lot of verses here. I'm going to go verse by verse for a while, if that's okay. We'll start maybe in verse 2. But Everybody in Ephesians chapter 1? Okay, because I want you to look at the verses as I'm bringing these things up to you. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we'll go to, right to verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to do is repeat after me these words. I have grace and peace. Repeat after me. I have grace and peace. Does it not say that in verse 2? You have grace, God's grace, and God's peace. You're going to hear these themes over and over again that God calls you these things. He's saying, I've given you my grace. I've given you my peace. Let's go to verse 3. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. But listen to it, what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you just to repeat after me. I am blessed... With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now I want you to know and understand, is it is it impossible for God to lie? It is, right? It's impossible for God to lie, right? So it is impossible for God to lie. So what he just said, I want you to think about it for a minute. Every single resource, it doesn't say some. There. You all got your Bibles out. You're looking at it, right? Yes. Every single resource out of the heavenly places have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Does it not say that? It does say that, right? <laughs> and that's who, what we are defined as. He's telling us that I not only have given you my grace, not only am I giving you my peace, I've given you every single resource out of the heavenly realms to get the job done that I put you on this earth for. I am your provider. That's all through the scripture. And that's what he's saying in this one verse. Let's go on to the next verse. Let's go on to um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Look at this. Now, I'm going to do a couple in this verse. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. First of all, the beginning of the verse, I want you to repeat after me, I am chosen in him. I am chosen in him. Wow. So God has chosen you. God has chosen you. Let's go to the next part of this verse. It says, I want you to repeat after me. I am holy and blameless in his sight. I am holy and blameless in his sight. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He says that about you. This is, this is who you're defined as. Just as Abram became Abraham, this is who you're defined as. This is who you are. 
Not what the world says you are. Not what your pain says you are. Not what your heartache says you are. Not what the circumstances you went through say you are. Not what the world says you are. This, this is who you are according to God. Who are you gonna, whose report will you believe? God's report or the world's report? Let's go on to Ephesians chapter five, verse, or chapter one, verse five. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What is he saying there? I want you to repeat this. I am a child of God through Jesus Christ. I am a child of God through Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king of the universe, the almighty God. Isn't that what he's saying here? Is God a liar? No. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Over and over again, we must get that in here and in here. Let's go to uh, verse 6. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Oh, I'm on verse 9. I already went down. I'm sorry. I'll go back to verse 6. I'm already going ahead of you. Verse 6. To the praise and glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. <laughs> Repeat this after me. I am accepted in the beloved. I am accepted in God. God has accepted you. God has accepted you. Come on, you've been accepted by God. He, again, doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at who you were in the flesh anymore. The flesh is dead. It's gone. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he sees you righteous. His grace and his peace is upon you. And he's saying... I've accepted you. You are accepted. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've been through or what type of garbage has got on you. You're accepted. Believe it. You're accepted by God. Again, 95% of our problems is we don't believe this. If I'm accepted by God, what can come against me? Let's go to the next verse. Let's go to verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Repeat after me. I have redemption and forgiveness. I have redemption and forgiveness. The word redemption is a big word, but really what it means is he came and he took you out of slavery and death and sickness and crud and all the disease and nonsense and he broke those chains and redeemed or brought you out of that by his blood. And he took you out of that. Total forgiveness of all of the sins. Matter of fact, he says, as far as the east is from the west, all those sins are gone. Yet they're in the deepest of seas. I remember them no more, he says. And he redeems you and brings you back into the family of God. And he says, now you're mine. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. That's who God says you are. Amen? Yeah. I mean, come on, we're only in verse 7. Do you see how God defines who we really are? It is so good. He loves us so much. Okay, I'm going to jump down because I, I want to get through today. Um, let's go into verse 11. Um, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel and his will. Repeat after me. I have obtained an inheritance. Now, an inheritance takes place 
in the worldly sense that the death of the testator takes place or the one who gives the will dies and then you receive all that is theirs basically on canon. So you get all that belonged to the person who basically put you in the will and it said that you'd get all those things. We have an inheritance of a living Christ though because he's been resurrected. Matter of fact, doesn't the scripture say you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ? Everything that Christ owns, you're a joint heir with Christ. So, again, this isn't sacrilegious. This isn't me making anything up. Does it say that, Mike, in the scripture? It does, doesn't it? We're joint heirs with Christ? Does it say that we're heirs with God, Dennis? The scriptures do say that. So, if I have everything that God has, if I have everything that Jesus Christ has, is there anything I need? No. Has it all been given to me in Christ? Okay. Remember that. That's how he defines us. Let's go on to the next. Well, let's go on to verse um, 13. Hebrew, or, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, this is so good. In him also you've uh, trusted after you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom you have, been, have believed and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God comes and he brands us with his Holy Spirit. He seals us with his Holy Spirit. Aaron, you've been sealed, boom, with the Holy Spirit of promise. That Holy Spirit is now with you on this earth, never going to leave you, always with you. You've been branded to the point where when the principalities and powers, when the things in the spirit realm see you, they see the branding, the power of the Holy Spirit on you. You have a permanent branding, a permanent seal upon you, and that power of the Holy Spirit is on, on you. Whoa, whoa, come on. That's what God says there, doesn't he? That's what's on you. That's who you are. A permanent seal of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you know, the scriptures in John 16, um, 11 through 13 basically say this, that the Holy Spirit comes to lead us into all truth and to show us things to come. The Holy Spirit will not teach what is his, but actually teach the things of Jesus and of God to us. Matter of fact, it even says in the scripture that we've been given the mind of Christ so that we can discern these things. And that the things that I'm teaching or, or reading right now out of the scripture, they're not a natural man cannot understand these things, but the spirit who's given to us, they are spiritually discerned or spiritually learned. So when you are branded or sealed in the Holy Spirit, you have the discernment of the power of God upon you to know and understand what he's saying. Wow. That is so good. I love what God says about us. I love the being defined by what he says. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to Ephesians 1. Let's go on to Ephesians 1.20. Ephesians 1.20 says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So if you read through 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, um, I'm going to wrap it up in this. Um, repeat after me. I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. This theme you'll see through Ephesians over and over again. But your spirit man is already seated 
in Christ in heavenly places. You're already seated in heaven. Where is Christ right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. Our spirit is already seated in the heavenly throne room of the king of the universe. We're already seated at the right hand of daddy, Abba, Father, in Christ. Come on. We're already in the place of the throne room of the king of the universe now in the spirit realm as we accepted the blood of Christ in his broken body. He brought us in spiritually already there. Already there. Wow. That's who you are. That's how he defines you. That is so good. Let's go on. Ephesians 1.22. I'm just going to have you, I'm not going to read the verse on some of these. I can, but we're, I'm going to save some time. I want you to look at verse 122 and then say this in verse 122. I have all things, have all things under, my under my feet. Um. So if you have all things under your feet, what does all things mean? Everything. Okay, so all things are under our feet. And it's a spiritual representation of the scriptures that talk about Satan will be crushed by the heel. In um, Romans it talks about we will actually crush Satan under our feet. If we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ, and all the things of heavenlies are ours, all the things of the kingdom of heaven already belong to us, right? Do you really think that God allows us, through the power of him flowing through us, to crush the things that are not of him? That's what that says. All things run to your feet. Wow. When you have an issue, when you have a problem, when things aren't going right, when the circumstances of the world try to take you down, remember all things, all things are under your feet. And you have the authority from the king of the universe to put those things under your feet and to crush them in the name of Jesus. A lot of times we have not because we ask not. But we have to know and understand who we are in Christ. Let's go on to... Let's go into chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 4. But God who is rich in his mercy because of his great love which he has loved us. I want you to repeat after me. I am loved by God. Scripture says I am loved by God. God says I, I love you. Matter of fact, there's a whole discourse in Romans chapter 8 where he says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are loved by God. You might not be loved by your neighbor. You might not be loved by people in the world. You might not be loved by a lot of different things of this world. But one thing you can be assured of you are loved by God. And you're going to say, well, where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Where was God this and that? God loves you with an everlasting love. And he will never withdraw that love from you. Never. He always loves you. I can't speak for man's inhumanity to man and our wrong decisions. And I know that when I get in trouble, it's because I forget who I am in Christ to begin to walk in the flesh again. I raise up the dead flesh man again and begin to walk in him. I know that when I get caught up in the world and get into man's inhumanity with man and the, the junk that men do to each other and the hate and the heartache and the stuff that happens with man, when I start living in that place, yeah, I have a problem. But when I believe in who he says he is, says I am, and I walk in the spirit, problems still hit me. But they never control me. 
They're under my feet. Amen? Amen. Let's look at um, Ephesians 2.5. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in the trespasses, in dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, (laughs) you are saved. First of all, let's repeat this. I've been made alive in Christ. By grace, I am saved. By grace, we are sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. Hallelujah. Let's go to, again, one of my favorite verses. A lot of these verses should be our favorite verses. Amen, right? This is another favorite one of mine, but we've already mentioned it in Ephesians 1.20, but Ephesians 2.6, I love this verse. It says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Again, very similar to what we've already, he's already said about us in an earlier chapter, right? So I want you to repeat after me. I've been raised with him. I am seated with him in heavenly places. I want to ask you, in heaven is there any cancer? In heaven is there any disease? Matter of fact, does it say in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 16 that we are to bind things on earth as they are bound in heaven? And is there sickness, disease? Is there any issue, any sin in heaven? Then we have the authority to bind that on earth. It says also that we are to loose from heaven those things to the earth. So whatever we loose from heaven should be loosed onto the earth. Why? Not because we have all this power in our flesh. That flesh is dead. We have all this power in him living in us. And so when Pastor Brenda was saying during the offering exhortation on earth as it is in heaven, our job is to be missionaries of heaven, bringing heaven to earth. On earth as it is in the heaven because we are heavenly children and beings now. For all eternity. And we've got a mission yet on this earth. To bring heaven to earth and touch other people with who God says they are. We have a plan and a purpose. So again, Ephesians 2.6. We're already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus already. Past tense. It's there. It's happening already. You don't have to work your way there. That isn't a future thing. He's already taken you in your spirit and seated you in the heavenlies. Here's another thing that's cool about city being seated in the heavenlies. Abba, Father, Daddy is right there all the time. I have access to a throne room. Matter of fact, I'm living in there right now with him. So I have access to Dad all the time. 24-7, 365, I have access to Abba, Father. I have the ability to come to him at any time. His door is always open because I'm inside the door. I'm in the place with him. Come on, do you get it? Now think about that for a minute. Maybe some of us would pray a little more and talk to Dad a little more if we knew what type of access we really have with him. Maybe we'd quit complaining a little more and quit whining a little more if we knew that we had right access to Dad. And you know, you as dads and moms, when your kids are hurting and they're right there and they got a little itch or a boo-boo or a problem, you know, you're right there to love on them, aren't you? Dad's right there to love on us. And sometimes we just need to kind of crawl up next to him and say, Dad, help, help. Do you think he's not going to help you? 
Do you think he didn't get do all these things for you to let you just waste away on this earth and then give you this at a later time when you get to heaven? No. That's not scriptural. Matter of fact, what he's saying about us, I'm reading from the scripture, am I not? No. Let's go to Ephesians 2, oh, I don't, uh, 2.8. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. This is so key. This isn't about us working our way there. This isn't about us working somehow to get all this stuff. This is a free gift. And when we understand and know it's a free gift and actually act on the free gift, um, what I did in the earlier service as Sue I'm going to give you a free gift of this anointing oil. Here, and it's from me. It's free. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it or anything. But here, take it. But Sue takes it. <laughs> Sue takes it and goes like that. <laughs> Stood up. Oftentimes, that's what we do. We get this free gift and we just... Move on with something else. We don't accept it. We don't take it. We don't treasure it. It's free. It's a gift from God, his salvation. He wants to just give it to us. And all we got to do is accept it and act on it. Act like it's, this is mine. Thank you. It's mine. These things you say to me are mine. This is who you say I am. They're mine. I'm going to act on them. I'm going to believe them. I'm going to really walk in these things. And you give me the power of your Holy Spirit to, to be able to do that. Let's go on to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared before, and that we should walk in them. How do we say? Um, repeat after me. I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word workmanship means um, um, several things. It means his greatest poem, his greatest masterpiece. Each one of you are his greatest masterpiece. Each one of you. Each and every one of you are his greatest masterpiece. Each one of you have a special piece of the DNA of God. And when we come together as a body of Christ, bringing that, each of us bringing that piece of that DNA together, what a great tapestry, what a great picture that has been painted. And we have this greatness of God all over the body of Christ, which then takes that greatness and shares it out into the world and into society and brings people into Christ by the blood of Christ and brings them into this place where they can live this way too. Now they're talking about this nation and how it's falling and how things are falling apart in the darkness over this nation. That's not the issue. The real issue is, is, is that this is not being taught and trained and people are not getting this and they're not walking it. The church is not being the church and the body's not understanding who they are. And because we are not walking in who God says we are, darkness then pervades because we are salt and light. Salt and light will come when we act like salt and light. It's that simple. The scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, don't complicate the simplicity in Christ. The real issue is you and me. 
If society's falling apart, it's because of you and me. That's the only issue. That's it. Because we are not being who we are called to be. And God loves us. And he puts, gives us everything we need to do these things in him. Again, not by our works, but by him working through us. When we just yield these vessels over and say, I'm dead to flesh, I'm alive in you. Allow your Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants. Bill Johnson said it, and I want to quote it properly. I'll probably misquote it, but it says that. The Holy Spirit of God is trapped in unbelieving believers and wants out. You can think of that one for a while yourself. Let's go on to the next verse. Uh, maybe we'll jump. We'll jump down. Let's go to verse um, 13. 2.13. Oh, is that the timing? Are we done? <laughs> it's cooked. It's done. 2 Corinthians 2.13 says, But now in Christ... You who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were once far off from God, separated from him. But the blood of Christ brings us into relationship and oneness with God. Repeat after me. I've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Do you believe that? Let's move on. Verse uh, 14. Just repeat after me. Christ is our peace. In verse 14, it says that Christ is our peace. That word peace, shalom, means a lot of things. And I'll kind of paraphrase. It means nothing broken. Unity and oneness with God. Total unity with God himself. To become in a relationship, totally healed, totally set free, totally delivered. So that's why Jesus, wow, he's in a boat, and there's this great storm going on. Amen? Got this great storm going on, and he's in the boat with the disciples. Now, the disciples, most of them were, what? Fishermen, right? So a storm shouldn't get them too worked up. But here they are in this storm. They think they're going to perish in the storm, but Jesus could sleep in the storm. Why? Because he was perfect peace. He's the prince of peace. There's no storm that's going to get him upset. There's no storm that's going to overcome him. So he you know, kind of chides them and says, hey, you guys of little faith. He gets up and he says, peace be still. The storm's gone. Didn't we say that we have everything that Christ has, and we're joint heirs with Christ, and that the Prince of Peace is in us, and his total peace is within us. Is there any storm in your life that should take you out of that place of peace? I'm going to ask you again, is there any storm in your life that should take you out of that place of peace? If we get out of that place of peace, it's because we look at the waves like Peter did as he got out of the boat instead of fixing his eyes on Jesus. And it was pretty cool. He walked on water, by the way, Peter. But as he got out of the boat and walked on water, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was okay. But when the storms and the waves around him began to well up and he began to see the storms and the waves around him and focus on that, 
he began to sink. When we keep our eyes on the Prince of Peace, and his peace is in us, can any storms of life take you out of that peace? Let's go on. Let's move on to see what else he says about us. Let's go to um, verse 18, 2.18. We'll jump down to 2.18. 2.18 um, I'll ask you this way. Repeat after me. Um, through, Christ, through Christ, I have access in one spirit to the Father. So because of Christ or through Christ, I have access through the Holy Spirit to Father God. It sounds like some of the other verses we just read, isn't it? What is he trying to say? I have total access to God all the time. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and because of his blood sacrifice and because of me accepting it, I have total access to God at all times. Wow. Wow. Let's go to um, verse 219. Um, verse 219, it says, I'm no longer a stranger or an alien, but a fellow citizen with the saints, right? So, repeat after me. I'm not an alien or a stranger. I'm a fellow citizen of heaven with the saints. And also in that verse, um, I am a member of the household of God. I am a member of the household of God. I am a member of the household of God. I am a member of the household of God. What household are you living in? Got it. Good job. Believe this. Believe this. This is what God says about you. Okay, let's jump into chapter 3. We'll jump over to chapter 3, verse um, 6. Chapter 3, verse 6. It says, Then the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of the promises of Christ through the gospel. What's that saying? Something we already went through once before in a different way. So I'm going to have you say it again. I am a fellow heir. And a member of the body of Christ. So I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of God and part of his body. I'm an heir of God and part of his body. Good. Yeah. You guys are getting it. Only uh, three more chapters ago. Um, verse... Um, uh, three six also says, "I'm a fellow partaker of the promises of Christ." Um, let's go to chapter three, verse twelve. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Again, what do we have? We have boldness and access to who? To God and confidence. Wow! I have boldness and access to God and confidence. Through faith in him. So how would we say that? Probably just how it's kind of written up there. Um, in Christ, through faith. So read, say that with me. In Christ, through faith, I have boldness and confident 
access to God. This is starting to get a little old. I hope not. But do you see how God defines us? Over and over again, he's saying very similar things, isn't he? Over and over and over. This is just the book of Ephesians. We've not even gotten through chapter 3. You could take Philippians. You could take Galatians. You could take Colossians. You can take most any book in the New Testament. And as you begin to look at it from a love letter from God that he's writing to you and put it in the first person, you will see this all through the scripture and what he says you are and who he's made you to be through the blood of Christ and what our purpose on this earth and destiny is and why we are left here to touch others for him and how he's given us all power through the power of his Holy Spirit living in us to get the job done. We've been given all the access of everything in heaven already has been given to us to use to get that job done. We are an heir of God and join ears with Christ. And you can just go on and on and on and see the same story of who he says you are. Don't be defined by the world. Don't be defined by your neighbor. Don't be defined by the people around you. Don't be defined on what you did in the past. Don't be defined by your sins and your garbage that got on you in the past. Get cleaned up with God. Let the blood of Christ wash over you and get into who you really are in Christ and live the most glorious life that he's put you on this earth for. There is no amusement ride. There's nothing higher. There's nothing glorious you know, we were going to uh, jump off the cliff in, in Alberta with one of those kites, and then they found out that I'd never done it before, so they said, no, you can't. But I was ready to go, but there's not, no glory thing. There's no, I don't know, some of these like, uh, like uh, roller coasters, there's nothing. There's no high. If, you, if you're a druggie, there's no high like the most high. There's nothing, nothing greater than what he has for you. Exceedingly abundantly above what you could ever think or ask. Matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go to Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. What does Ephesians 3.20 say about you? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ooh, hallelujah. Um, repeat after me. I have a power source within me which is able to do abundantly above what I ask or think. Okay. I'm going to ask you, Deb, ask God for whatever you want, that most glorious thing you want. Ask, begin to ask. Shannon, you begin to think of the most glorious thing you want from God, most glorious thing you want in life. Both of you begin to, and I'm going to tell you right now, as you're asking and as you're thinking, it's not big enough. Why? It says exceedingly abundantly above what you can ever ask or think. You can't ask or think big enough for what he really wants to do in you. You can't dream that big. It's bigger. Exceedingly, abundantly above what you could ever ask or think is what he wants to do through you. Wow. That's, that's who he says he, you are and what he wants to do through you. A few more verses and we'll close. Let's go into chapter 4. We'll move along. Chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Again, we see that picture again of his grace being given. Chapter 4, verse 7. Let's just say it this way. I've been given his grace. He takes his grace and he drenches us in his grace. Supernaturally just floods us in his grace, washing off all the product of sin and slime and gook of the world. 
in the love of his grace, we are saturated. He puts on a robe of right, righteousness around us, brings us in to his right hand, and communes with us for all eternity. And that started when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. His grace gift just saturates us. Religion tells us that we got to work at it. Religion tells us that we got to raise up the old man. And I, I can tell you right now that the biggest issue in the church is that we don't believe what he says about us. And we try to live in the old man. Whoa. We try to live in the old man. So we try to resurrect the old man and try to do good things in the old man. You're dead. That old man's gone. This is who he's defined you to be. Quit crossing over and trying to dig up, you know, that grave. That grave, leave it alone. It stinks. Matter of fact, it stinks so bad that it says that Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, come on. That's why he's called the Lord of the Flies. The enemy can smell sin. The enemy can smell flesh. And it's attracted to it. I don't want any part of that flesh. I'm dead to that flesh. You can have that dead flesh. I am who he says I am, filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen? A couple more verses and we'll close. Let's go to um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. It says that... Ah, let's go to 24. I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 24. 424, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Old man dead, he's put the new man upon us, which was created in holiness and righteousness. So, um, repeat after me. I put on the new man, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness. When God sees you, he sees you righteous and holy because of the blood of his son. Last verse. We'll go into the end of chapter 4. We'll just end with the last verse of chapter uh, 4. 4.32 And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Okay, repeat after me. I have been forgiven, so I forgive others. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, as he taught us how to pray, as he ended that prayer, he says, you know, and I'll paraphrase, if you can't forgive others, I can't forgive you. If we understand what he's just been telling us all this time, in just these few verses, we went through four chapters, and not every verse in those four chapters. If we just begin to believe what he says is true and walk in that, we can't hold on to torment. We can't hold on to unforgiveness. We can't hold on to bitterness. That is the old man rising up. If somebody offends me, you offended something that's dead. I'm not going to take offense because I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm living. I don't have time for offense. Matter of fact, how it looks in the spirit realm, I give, give you my Neil Hughes version. Here's what unforgiveness does. Oh, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to keep drinking this poison because I'm going to, I'm mad at you. I'm going to keep drinking this poison. I'm mad at you. I'm going to keep being mad and drink this poison. Here's what unforgiveness and bitterness does to our bodies physically. Um, basically, God has put something in us, that fear of fight or flight, where cortisol is released, where 
basically we're in that mode of like, I see a bear over there, are you either going to run or I'm going to have to fight? And so your adrenaline is like flowing big time. When you have anger issues, when you have a bitterness issue, when you have unforgiveness, it brings your body into that mode all the time. And now scientists are finding out that cortisol is being released all the time in your body, which then your body cannot handle, which then goes into overload. And as your mouth begins to speak anger and things at that other person, what happens is your body begins to react to it. Most autoimmune diseases, autoimmune is your auto your immune system is attacking itself. Cortisol is being released in your body. Your system is getting weaker and weaker. Your immune system can't handle this. Most sickness and disease comes from our place of walking in the old man. Quit walking in the old man. Here's, here's divine health. We wouldn't have healing rooms if people would just walk in who they are. Because as you walk in who you are, it brings health to your bones. It brings health to this vessel. And you know we're going to die sometime. But I look at it this way. I'm indestructible until God calls me home. So if a storm comes at me, I'm saying peace be still. Or you're going to kill me and I get to go home. <laughs> That's the only two choices. There is no other one. You will not control me. I will not go down to your level. I will not deal with your junk. Peace be still in the name of Jesus. You know, and if I die fighting it, hallelujah. Now this old flesh is totally gone, and now i got to recreate a new body. The old man that was dead, whew, just keep doing that. Here's a, a good thing to do as we stand. We're going to close. Repent a lot. You know, that's a good thing. Repent a lot. We're going to pick up the old man. We're going to pick up the old self. We're going to do and get involved in this a lot. All of us make mistakes. We're not perfect. But we know who we are in Christ. And when we get off of it and we dig up the old man and try to put it back on, get it off you, get washed in the blood, get cleaned up, repent, turn from that, come back to Christ. That's that simple. Matter of fact, um, didn't he, one of the apostles say, you know, how many times do we have to forgive this person? And Jesus said 70 times 7. It's the same way with us. How many times do I have to forgive myself for messing up? Keep doing it over and over again. Stay in a place of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to prick your heart often. Is there any way in me that needs to be changed? Is there any way in me that I'm walking in the old flesh instead of in the spirit man? Is there any way in me that I'm not walking in who you told me I am and who I'm supposed to be? It's, it's a simple thing. Now, I don't know all of you here. Most of you I think I do. But I just want to make sure if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not accepted his blood sacrifice and you're living in that old flesh, today's your day. Heaven's going to have one of the greatest parties ever, hallelujah, because they're going to see you come into who you really are and what you were created to be. And I want you to make that choice today. This is your day. You're not here by accident. This isn't a mistake. God's given you an opportunity to be washed in the blood of Christ. So if that's you today, I just want to see you raise your hand up really high so I can see who you are. And we're going to pray for you. And if there, I don't see any hands, I'm just going to wait for a minute. Okay, brothers and sisters, that to me there means that all of you here are Christians or all of you here don't want to admit that you're, never mind. All of you here are Christians. I will probably be the first to say that I don't always walk this in this. 
and I have to be reminded daily, and I mess up. And I know that if I mess it up sometimes, that you guys probably do too. Yeah. You know what? God loves you. He's not, he doesn't want you to live in your mess-ups. He doesn't want you to live in the chains and the bondage. He doesn't want to live, you to live in the old man. He wants you to live in him. So he's kind of like really open to you like turning from that and come running to him. He's a good, good dad. A lot of the junk that's in the world isn't from him. It's man hurting man. Or we hurting ourselves. And what he's saying is, I got open arms. Come on back, my prodigal son. Come on, I've got a robe of righteousness. Come on. I want to throw a big feast. I want to love on you. I want to have a big party. I want you to come home to me. Don't live in that junk. Don't live in that crud. Come running home to dad. Father God, as, as my brothers and sisters here are standing before you, I just ask that your Holy Spirit fall in a mighty way right now. Search their hearts. Search their hearts. Show them anything that they need to get right with you on and that you've made a way. Lay down anything of the flesh. There's somebody here that you know you've been called into a different job position, but you've been hanging on to this one because there's a, been a little bit of fear of what's going to happen. Go to Dad. Go to Abba Father. He'll help you transition. There's another person here today that, um, I don't know if it's a wrist, maybe, and I, I'm, I'm feeling it in the left wrist, so left wrist that's been injured or hurt, or maybe it's a carpal tunnel thing. He wants to touch you right now and heal that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. More than anything, though, he wants to just love on you, and he wants you to know and understand what he says about you. He's given you something that's really cool. It's called free will. So we can be made into his image and be just like him. But our free will sometimes is the greatest gift from God, is what the enemy uses the most to keep us acting in a way that's outside of who we are. So I want you to just lay down your will right now. That's what he's telling me to say to you. Lay down your will and let me superimpose my will over your will. My will is much greater. My will is exceedingly abundantly above what you ever can ask or think. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on up here right now. We're going to be available to pray for any anything you want to pray about. I know there's somebody here that's struggling with uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and understanding that. Um, we're up here to pray for you for that. Any uh, physical, emotional, spiritual issues, we're up here to pray for. Anything where you just want to walk stronger in who he's called you for, to, to for and to. Um, so he, um, the teams, I want you to come up here. People are praying, come on up here first, right now, so we know that there's people up here to pray for others. And then as they come up, uh, come on up and receive some prayer. This is an altar. This is a place where you seal what has been spoken in God's word. And if you don't want someone to pray for you, just come up and get in the presence of God. But before you leave here today, please make sure that these things that we spoke over you out of the word of God become real to you. 
that this just isn't a good message that you walk out the door and say, oh, this isn't nice, but that you actually act on it and believe that Abba Father Daddy really does say these things about you and loves you this way and wants you to walk in these things. So in Jesus' name, be blessed. Before, uh, don't leave until we at least get through this last song, and I'll have the rest of the worship team come up, and we'll have one last song. And just uh, believe in what he says about you. Amen.